Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the GameDev.TV Community Podcast. I'm your host KB, and this podcast brings you the audio experience of GameDev.TV. Now, let's get right into the podcast. It's me, Rick, and we also have Sam. I'm in Australia, just woke up a little bit tired. Sam's in the UK, just about to go to sleep a little bit tired, so (laughs) (laughs) you've got... So don't ask us really <laughs> tricky questions. We're vulnerable at the moment. Uh, excited <laughs> to talk to everyone to committing to a bunch of projects. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So um, thanks for joining us. Uh, just mention again, AMA-Questions, the channel, where to put your questions. I see a bunch of questions already. So Sam, shall we start answering some questions? Let's do it. Let's awesome. do it. So awesome. Gigapede, I think you got in there first on the channel. How do we make everything modifiable in our UE projects? Oh, that's not a very specific question. <laughs> that's a good one to start with, though. What that do you hurts, mean by... That's the brain a little bit. <laughs> make everything modifiable. Well, I mean, Unreal's pretty good at this. You slap a U property on things, and then you make it edit anywhere. It's literally like what it's called. Um, it makes, yeah, a lot of things editable. So start there. You properly. I don't know. If, if you have a more specific uh, question, then I will answer that one. Cool. Uh, the ulti one. Oh, this is our favorite, Rick. Uh, what should I use? Unreal or Unity? Are you trolling? Now, the theme <laughs> of today's conversation technically is Unreal. So we're going to be fielding hopefully more Unreal questions today. Which should I use? <laughs> Unreal or Unity? Which is better in your opinion? They're both amazing. You can't go wrong if you use either of them. Today we're talking about Unreal, so we're going to be a little bit biased and say, hey, use Unreal. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You could always build your game in both at the same time. You could. Yeah. No, you should definitely make a choice. Choices are important. I like Um, Unity because I've used Unity a lot. Um, If you... You can do it by language. Okay, serious answer to the question. You can choose by language. If you feel like you prefer C++ or you know it a little bit, Unreal uses that. If you feel like you you would prefer C Sharp, you can use that. If you don't know, then use both of them for two weeks and then see which one you like most at the end of two weeks. Don't yeah, invest that's, a good, in that's a good answer, Rick, is like use thanks, both of thanks, them um, for a short period of time and see how you feel, <laughs> basically. Awesome. Sounds good. The uh, Stack Overflow question. worth getting proficient in both, probably. Yeah. Can't hurt. Stack Overflow, how have you been today? Well, I've uh, just woke up, so I'm great. (laughs) Sam, how are you today? (laughs) I've been good. I've had a good day. (laughs) Nice. Good to hear. Lots of meetings. Lots of meetings. Donut, if I'm already learning Unity, should I switch and try to learn Unreal? Oh, well, just to kind of answer that, didn't we? Try it for a week or two and just get, get, get a feel for it. Yeah. Sometimes the engine... But I think if you already you. started on Unity, I wouldn't recommend just... I wouldn't recommend switching, flip-flopping here and there. You know, stick to something, get get somewhere, make some progress, and then then reevaluate. We do... Otherwise... We do have, yep. let, well, I'll, I'll answer that with a course answer. So if someone wow. says, yeah, but give, give me some help on this. Uh, there's two courses that I've created. One is in Unity, which is for the 3D game kit. And one is in Unreal, which is for cinematics. And both of them are non-programming courses. 
that allow you just to experience the engine and to do cool stuff in it, to move cameras, yep. to move the player, to create some gameplay in Unity and to create some cool cinematic moments in Unreal. That's often a chance to just get to know the engine and the workflow and get a feel for it. Uh, that I think that's a good way to do it. Just take one of those courses, put a couple of weeks time into it and you'll get a, a, a better yeah. understanding. Yeah. Yeah, especially, I mean, C++ is a big component of learning Unreal. So if you can take that bit out and get a feel for what the engine can do, then C++ is a bit of spice on top of that. So yeah, there's a, there's an extra element to learning Unreal that you don't have in Unity, where you really don't have a choice of the language that you use. It has to be C sharp, but in Unreal, you've got these two languages. Yeah. Cool. Next question. Ah, the next one. Plans to continue the remaster of the Unreal course. Yes, we are planning and working hard on getting that that done uh, while simultaneously staying on top of all the commitments that um, we've got going at the moment, such as the RPG and um, the Blender course and so on. So we're, yeah, we're working on that. We're getting things um, lined up and we just want to smash it out of the park basically and get you a really cool next section for the remaster that's our aim as always to make super cool stuff yeah awesome 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 uh vimo advanced c course interfaces smart pointers templates gameplay ability system delegates tools plugins etc i th i guess the question is are we going to make one uh or maybe vimo's proposing to make one that'd be awesome vimo we'd love for you yeah, to do you want to make one, one vimo that awesome that yeah yeah, really yeah. Cool. let's go go for it we'd love it just a side point, that. maybe, maybe oh. Sam, maybe this audience uh, is the right place for us to throw something out there, which is um, mm. we're always looking to talk to folks that are interested in trying their hand at instructing, at teaching, at making courses and videos. And at the moment, it'd be great for us to um, expand or speed up our ability to make content for Unreal, because there's so many things we want to cover, for example, Interfaces, yep. smart pointers, templates, gameplay ability system. Not just that, but the, the basic stuff, the, the beginner stuff, the intro stuff, new projects, new types of games, new, just there's so many things. And there's only so many of us at the moment. So yeah. if anyone listening at the moment has an interest in uh, creating videos, creating courses for Unreal, if you know C++, at least at a, at a competent level where you feel confident that you could jump in and, and teach it and make your own project, then please do contact us directly. You can throw a message in the, the AMA questions channel if you like and say, hey, I'm interested, what, what should I do? We can have a chat about that, but uh, don't hesitate to contact us. Yeah, absolutely. Sam at gamedev.tv and Rick at gamedev.tv are also our email addresses, so you can throw us, throw us a message there if you don't want to do it publicly awesome yeah should i go so to the GDC? next one i think oh sorry might be one for you rick okay should i go to gdc if i'm looking for a job in the industry yeah i th well it's a cost benefit conversation so should you go to gdc if you have the money to go yeah absolutely it's a great place you'll learn a lot you'll speak to people you get ideas uh, and you know it's often that that face-to-face -face contact you have with someone at two in the morning in the bar after the conference where, you know, you're just hanging out and they're a good person, you're a good person, you're chatting about, you know, games and, and 
game development, that's how you make a good connection in the industry. So um, yes, it's good. It's, you know, it, it's, it costs money. You could also, here's something that I've heard uh, a lot of, a lot of people talk about when they're kind of really hustling out there in the industry, go to GDC. If you don't want to pay, pay the money for the, um, the ticket for the conference ticket, then just go to the events that are on at the moment. Just loiter around the area. Um, go to anything that's that's free. There's tons of free stuff going on. So yeah, it's a good place, I think. I reckon. Absolutely. Yeah, doing things in person. It, you can't beat it. Yes. It is good to meet people. So Unreal, run on a MacBook Pro. That's, this is a question that could be easily answered by going to ask minimum specs for Unreal or trying to uninstall Unreal as well. So I think I will redirect you to a link for that one. Oh, Rick looks at the next one. Yes. Okay. Does it run on a MacBook? Actually, I don't think anything is allowed to run on Apple products. It's only PC. Yeah, you're right. So nothing nothing Unreal works. Unreal and Unity only <laughs> run on Windows machines. Uh, ben, are you listening at the moment? Ben is such a <laughs> he's an Apple fanboy. Incite a riot here, Rick. <laughs> he'll, he'll jump on and be like, how dare you show my beloved Apple? <laughs> you say that about my Mac. Yeah. Uh, will there be UI on the next sections of the C++ uh, Unreal course? Good question. Um, do we have UI in the original version of uh, Battle Tank or testing? A rate? little bit, but if you really want to do some UI, I would say um, have a look. The multiplayer course has got a whole UI section in there. So we might we probably won't go into the same depth as we go there and it's likely that we won't go into too much depth in the remaster no i think yep good question it's a good answer even uh mr x we're smashing through the question sam this is great uh mr x do you have any plans to make a short course for getting into unreal as a unity dev or vice versa that quickly goes over which things are similar different in a fairly fast pace good question it's a good good kind of topic that if someone already has a foundation they don't need to know this is what a variable is or this is how to click a button so uh that that's the sort of thing that if you want that then let us know make some noise about it and then if other people make some noise about it then it's something we can consider we don't have any plans at the moment but uh mr x maybe that's the sort of thing you'd like to help us make maybe <laughs> 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 see what we did there see what we did there cool uh gigapede how do we know when a pause challenge involves searching outside of the topics covered in the course hmm usually the instructor well, will tell you i would always tell you if you need to go do some research elsewhere yeah however I think you can also generally assume that even if it was covered in the course and but you don't remember it being covered in the course, it doesn't hurt to go and look at other sources because the chances are it didn't stick in your head, you might see it from a different angle from someone else. So, you know, use use the course as a framework for your learning, but you know, don't don't limit yourself to the confines. We've got the internet, you've got Google. It's like there's plenty of information out there. So use the 
use the courses as a structure to help you on your learning journey, but not to hinder you and limit you. Mm. Yeah. Um, although Gigapede, have you found um, challenges where it's felt like you've needed to go elsewhere and that you haven't had the content to answer the challenge? It, t it depends a lot as well on um, the the course, the more difficult ones. I know that Sam likes to do super tricky ones in the Unity RPG course because it's, it's more of an advanced conversation that we're having there. But for yep. me, when I'm teaching the the more starting courses, beginner courses, I like to make the challenges things where we can have a win. So I tend not to say, you know, go do a whole bunch of research and then come back. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And generally, yeah, in the beginner courses, I think we all try to say if there is a case where you need to go and do some reading, it tends to be explicit in the, in the challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I have a question for everyone listening at the moment. If, if you guys are interested in writing something in the chat channel, it's to do with where do you learn game development? So obviously if you're here, you're part of our community, you've most likely taken one or more of our courses, uh, your, uh, contributors to our community, which we really appreciate. Where else do you get your knowledge from? Where else are you looking? What, where are you? Um, you know, are you watching YouTube videos? Are you taking other courses in particular? Are there any sites that you go to that you find really good? Do you read books? Do you just, do you look at the docs? Like, um, Unity and Unreal both have a lot of documentation for what they do. Where do you, where do you get your information from? I'm, I'm really interested to know that if anyone would like to put some notes in the chat channel, that would be useful. Continuing along with yeah. the questions we've been asked, Sam how to sit still long enough to make good progress in the tutorials. <laughs> Get a standing desk, then you don't have to sit. Oh yeah. I noticed you just or, raised your standing desk. Or I have, um, yeah, yeah. I, I just stood up actually. Yeah. Um, or you, uh, you get yourself like a bouncy ball to sit on and then you don't have to sit still either. Mm -hmm. uh, you can bounce, which is all helpful. Generally movement, you know, you should, you don't want to be sitting down still all the time. You'll get deep vein thrombosis. So try try and uh, use, if you've got ex extra energy, that's not something to tame. Um, <laughs> but uh, if you're asking more about a concentration and a, a motivation question, then let's see i it's I, i'm trying to cast my 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 mind back I, I think it's going to depend on focusing on that next thing that you want to achieve um break it up into milestones for yourself so that you you want to get to that next bit you want to get to the end of the, the current video or the video after that um you want to get to the end of a section maybe um set your milestone for the particular sitting as it were and um and try and get there. Rick, do you have any better? You, you're the other motivation guy. Yeah, interesting. I like the ideas. question, how to how to sit still long enough, kind of implies that it's not just how to focus or how to stay motivated, but how do you sit still long enough? I, the best way to be able to sit still long enough is to be exhausted, I find. So <laughs> just before you, uh, you're ready to start working on stuff, go and do like 200 push-ups and sit-ups and star jumps and burpees. 
and be like, oh my goodness, I'm my body is a bit fatigued. I'm ready to sit down and you know use my brain now. So that could be a way to just tire yeah, yourself yeah, out, yeah. so you don't have all that fidgety energy. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Cool, Sam. Do you think it's worth learning blueprints after learning C plus plus specifically for UE four? Um. I don't think that you'll have, if you've learned C++ for UE4, I don't think you'll have much learning to do for Blueprints. There's not much in Blueprints that is not going to be quite obvious to you. There's going to be a little bit of the syntax, a little bit of the nodes and all that sort of stuff, but it's A, quite self-explanatory, which is why it's there in the first place. It's meant to be very beginner accessible, but it's also just so similar to the whole C++ paradigm, the way functions work, the way you expose variables, et cetera, et cetera, that in most cases there's a one-to-one -one mapping. It's just a simplified version of what you can achieve in C++. So, you know, you can learn it after, but I'm, I don't think there's much learning to be done there at that point. Going the other way is different. You know, if you've learned blueprints and you need to learn C++, there's a lot more concepts there to get. Um, so as a progression, if you are struggling, then I would suggest going that way. But if you're going the other way, it's useful. Blueprints help you prototype a little bit faster than C++ because you don't have to compile the code every time. It's a very searchable. You can right click and look for a node that you don't know exists yet. So it has a lot of benefits. So I would definitely consider using blueprints. I'm just saying that learning them should be very easy. So yeah, both learning them is easy and using them is useful. So go for it. Do you tend to use a mixture in your project, Sam, or you say, no, I'm using C++, that, that's it. I don't need to go and make a couple of things in Blueprints as well. Oh, no, I do things in Blueprint for a number of reasons. I think, you know, some stuff is just easier to do in Blueprint and it doesn't make much sense or much benefit to do it in C++. Um, also... Uh, I tend to do what a lot of people I think do in Unreal, which is prototype things in blueprints. And then once you've decided on how it's going to work, you move that over into C++ to kind of bed it down and solidify it. Because once you put things in C++, it's a little bit harder to iterate on them. So it makes sense to use that as a place to write your code down to once once you've kind of decided on the the, the majority of it. Whereas Blueprint's very quick to just like completely change things up, but then it gets quite messy quite easily as well. C++ is much more tidy and neat. Hmm. We know how Sam likes his neat and tidiness in his code. Oh yeah, absolutely. Very anal. <laughs> what? Hang on. Oh, I, I, okay, sorry. Misunderstood. Got it. <laughs> Keep it clean. This is a family show. Ha! <laughs> Uh, Gigapede winning the award for most questions today. Does any version of IntelliSense for UE work in Xcode? Um, no, not really, I'm afraid. Sorry. Use VS Code. Uh, IntelliSense there is a little bit better. Um, just generally, I think it's not that IntelliSense for it's IntelliSense isn't for Unreal. IntelliSense is for C++. So it's a question of how well your editor does IntelliSense for C++, and the answer is Xcode doesn't do it very well. Um, so, yeah, again, get a, get a PC. No, um, the real answer is that VS Code is cross-platform, is supported in UE, and you can build 
projects for it. So use try using VS Code. I found that the C++ IntelliSense is much better in VS Code than it is in Xcode. It's still not as good as Visual Studio, and it's still not as good as like Visual Studio plus, um, oh gosh, what's it called? Uh, Visual Assist. Though that combination is absolutely fantastic. If you can pay and afford Visual Assist and VS, um, then that's you know that's amazing for working in Unreal. Um, but if you can't afford that, VS Code is a very workable alternative to Xcode, which frankly sucks. So yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for that. I see that Mark is in the voice lounge. Hello, Mark. How are you today? Did you want to say hi? Mark is one of our fantastic teaching assistants. You guys probably see him around. He's also super active here in Discord. He's probably at the moment saying, oh, Rick, I don't have my microphone set up. Why would you do that to me? <laughs> I'm just trying to lurk. <laughs> Put me on the spot. I actually had it muted on the headset because I switched over from the desktop to the headset one. <laughs> so all the problems we got out of the way just 10 minutes before everyone jumped on board. Mark, and, you would have been... creating. Yeah. 15 channels yeah you would have been proud of this mark we tried to create a uh, a chat channel for asking these questions here and uh ended up creating about 20 of them so uh, yes <laughs> do not operate heavy machinery <laughs> yeah <laughs> awesome can everyone else hear us okay i see a comment from uh gigapede saying um i can't hear you guys can you hear us now gigapede can everyone hear can hear you. Awesome. Oh no. Maybe oh, no. Your, your microphone's muted. Can you tell me where I should go to hear those answers? Uh, well, if you're, I don't know. Okay, I have to. I was about to explain in voice how Gigapede can go hear us in voice. That would have been a bit silly, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> how yes. how would you explain? Oh no, Gigapede's been missing all the answers to all of his questions. Well, seriously, this answered. is tragic. Yeah. Uh, click. Someone so, else will have to fill him in. Yeah, would someone like to write, explain how to do? I don't know anything better than saying click on the voice channel and voice lounge and start listening. Yeah, it sounds like you've got a problem with your speakers, mate. That's that's what it sounds like. He can't hear you, Sam. Gigapede, <laughs> <laughs> messing with me, Gigapede, man. Can you hear us? <laughs> anyway, this is degenerating into a Gigapede channel. Um. <laughs> It's a good name. It's very saleable. I like it. Yeah, it is. It is very saleable. Hopefully, Gigapede, uh, you find your way into voice. Let us know when you arrive. Uh, it's a good time. Does anyone like, would anyone like to ask a voice question? We'd love to hear from you guys. Just first in, best dressed. <laughs> Do you have that saying in the UK? First in, best no, dressed. No, I don't know that one, oh. but I like oh, it. Really? I get what right. it means. What does it, best dressed, what does that mean? It's like, I better get to the wardrobe before my wife does. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. You have a similar, like first in or dresses with your wife. <laughs> what would the what would the <laughs> equivalent be in the UK? First in, first served, first in, first served. Do you have that? I guess so. Yeah. You guess so. Okay. But first in, best dress. That seems to imply either that the first person to a party is like a bit too prim and proper and dressed too well for it, mm. or yeah, some sort of some sort of yeah. Limited wardrobe Rushed at the options. clothing store. Yeah. Yes. Hmm. Like the early early bird getting catching the worm. 
That's well, true. we've got no early birds who are catching this no. this worm. Maybe it's because so we're we yelling over the top questions? of them. Yeah, we'll give a five. <laughs> we'll do a three second of silence if anyone would like to jump in and ask a question about anything, not just about Unreal. No. Okay. No worries. No worries. Maybe no one's microphones are working today. <laughs> Next question. Where is the best place to define a U-struct that can be accessible from multiple classes in your game project and be usable in blueprints? Awesome. Very unreally type question. What do you reckon, Sam? Yeah, very good. Um, the answer is that you can define a U-struct in, in a separate file. Um, you the, the difficulty I assume that you're having is that um, Unreal doesn't def, doesn't have a template for it, so you don't go ahead and create just yeah you can't go and create a U-struct from a template which creates the files for you. But if in Visual Studio you create the C++ header and and the C++ file uh, and just put the U-struct in there, then that will be accessible from different multiple classes because you can just hash include it. Awesome. How'd that go, Doctrine Dark? Did that answer your question? I think it was... Stim oh, sorry, dealer. my bad. My, I'm looking at the next question. Stim dealer. sorry. Stim dealer. did that answer your question? Stim dealer. that sounds very cyberpunk, doesn't that it? That does, that does sound, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you like a stim? What's a stim? I don't know, but you want one? Awesome. <laughs> okay. And Doctrine Stimulants. Dark does have a question. Uh, what is the best way to handle melee or melee or melee or melee attacking? If my character is using a sword, would it be best to put a box collider around the sword mesh and track what it collides with that way? Cool question. Depends a little bit on the hmm. sort of game you're making as well. If you're making a hack and slash where there's lots of enemies around, uh, you might not want it to collide with everyone. You just might want it to be colliding with the particular um, enemy that you've clicked on. So then you would need a certain set of rules and information for that. One of the ways, I think, if correct me if I'm wrong, Sam, in the RPG, we have more of a time-based, I'm clicked on you and you're the enemy in question, and then we have a time-based, based upon the animation, we then trigger... Yeah, that's the, right. There's the an animation um, an animation event, event, which you can do in uh, Unreal as well. Right. So then within yeah. your animation, you might have, say, I don't know, 20 frames uh, of, of hit animation where you're swinging your sword, which equates to about a second, we'll say. And then you, you look at it and you say, around about halfway, that looks like where the sword should be connecting with someone. You, and then you just magically call um, the function through that event saying hit the enemy. You could do yep. box collider. I know we've played around with doing the box collider approach. Um, it seems to get a little bit messier knowing who you've yeah, hit and I how think... you've hit it and when you've hit them. And, and but also... you could do that way. I mean, because if you want to do like a massive kind of swing attack and hit the enemies when they actually... Um, you know, if, if you're all surrounded, then that might be a, a way that you want to do it. You might want to just obviously enable the box collider when you're doing the attack. So again, you could use animation events in the sense that you could um, have a begin, uh, begin, like activate and deactivate during the animation so that you can decide that this is the point at which the sword is drawn and, and can hurt people. Um, which might help things. And what I know what people also often tend to do is elongate the box collider 
um because sometimes if you if you just have it around the sword and the sword moves really quickly it can basically pass through an enemy um without ever touching its collider so you might want to make the box collider nice and long uh, around the sword so that you have a good chance of actually hitting the enemy in any particular frame because when it's fast moving it can it can skip over it in a frame it's also a good one to um, challenge yourself to do a really simple prototype where you find find a character, just grab a character from the asset store that has a swing or from standard assets or wherever it might be. Uh, you can, in, in Unreal, there's a gazillion free characters that you can use. Um, attach a collider to the weapon and put some some objects in the scene and see what happens. Just, just uh, have a collision event. You don't necessarily need to have hit points and damage and particle effects and all that kind of stuff, but just do a little bit of prototyping and see how it goes. Should be reasonably straightforward to prototype that. Yep. So the next question um, I think is a good one. So is it bad to always look for ready codes and assets um, first before creating my own? And I feel like it's close to reinventing the wheel. So no, I think that's, um, it's a good thing. So let's see. It depends what your goal is. If you want to learn more, then I think looking at example code and already existing code is a good way to learn. That said, I wouldn't then just use the code. I think re-implementing it is, is a great way to really solidify your learning. If the goal is to just get your project done as quickly as you can get it done, then yes, absolutely. You should be using code that comes off the shelf if it fits your project. Um, but don't, you know, there, there will, there'll be times when you'll find that it's so much harder to actually use somebody else's code than write it from scratch if, if it's not quite gelling with what you need to do. Sometimes customizing someone's work is, is much harder than just doing it from scratch your own way. So that, that takes a bit of experience to know when you should do one versus the other. Yeah. I saw a talk by the creator of the game, The First Tree. Pretty sure it's The First Tree. It's a game where you play as a fox and you run around. It's really quite a beautiful game. I believe this guy was a solo indie developer working on his game part-time while he also had a day job. And uh, he was saying that he could have created, this is from an art perspective when you talk about assets. Uh, he said he could have created all the assets, but it would have taken him a huge amount of time. So he started off with asset packs and then just modified them slightly so that they were consistent and fit with his game. And I think there's a real, real weird kind of stigma amongst the indie game community about using art assets or asset packs in general, how it's, how it's cheating, how it's not right, how people are going to recognize that it's asset packs. Honestly, when it comes to the player of your game, the end consumer, 99% of them have no idea at all even what an asset pack is or that you can get asset packs. What they're going to see is, oh, that's kind of a similar style. They've made it a similar way. It, even that, I mean, people just don't recognize these things the way the game development community do. So if you hear people out there on forums or in Facebook groups or on Reddit bad-mouthing using asset packs, then ask, well, ask them, first of all, what, what games they're making and how successful they are. Because this is a guy, the first tree, if you look at that, he's done really well. And he's done really well because he's been clever about his 
his game approach, his marketing, the the you know the cuteness of his game, the fact that it's it stands out, it's very remarkable. The fact that he used some asset packs, who cares? It's a way to get your game done. So my opinion yeah. is get your game finished, however it takes, learn along the way, uh, and and publish that game, get it out there. That's way more important than at the end of the day, at the end of three years saying, but I did it all myself. Who cares? Mm -hmm. like the, my, I, I'm in this whole journey to make the product as opposed to, um, you know, creating some sort of code masterpiece. That's not as important for me personally in the journey. But if you're a programmer and you're like, well, I need to architect beautiful code, that's what I'm up to, then maybe for you it is more about using your own code. But uh, that's not how I tend to roll. Yeah. And I think just one more slant on this is that um, when you're looking at what bits of code particularly you could get an asset pack for, I would recommend looking at the bits that are least unique about your game. Um, so, for example, if you're thinking of including a dialogue system and it's going to work like every other dialogue system on the market, go and get an asset pack for that because you're going to have no problem integrating that into your your into, into your system whereas if you have a very unique combat system and that's going to be the crux of your game then you're not there's no point looking for code for that because you're just going to be battling the way they're doing it when you want to do it your way so it's just going to be simpler to do that kind of thing yourself yeah lovely great point okay next question we have uh well, well, Will we be remastering the multiplayer course? So um, as the creator of the multiplayer course, I can say that at the moment we don't have plans to do this, um, mostly because, uh, again, we are you know, trying to get more people in the Unreal Vertical to help us um, help, help us create more course content there. Um, we're just a bit spread thinly between all the, all the lovely courses you guys want us to make and remaster. So at the moment, it's not top of the priority list, unfortunately. But um, it's something that I think at some point we'll consider doing, um, just probably not in the next year. So Yeah, it's a really interesting conversation about remastering because usually the only reason to remaster a course is because the engine has updated uh, the content is still relevant and and useful if the if the engine didn't update then that course could sit there being relevant for you know decades perhaps um and often when the software if unreal updates it breaks a little bit of the user interface so someone who's new might look at it and say oh i'm not quite sure where this button's gone or i'm not quite sure where this feature is now hidden uh, which with a little bit of digging around, you can work your way around it and find it. So we try not to remaster until it gets to the point where it's just unusable. It's broken. It, it, um, there's an aspect of what we've done in the past that just absolutely won't work in the new engine, mostly because remasters take a lot of time or creating content takes a long time. So um, spending months and months and months and months to remaster often isn't worth the bang for buck until it gets to the point where it's super broken. I don't think the multiplayer course is broken as of yet. Um, no, it's it's got, you know, there are parts of the videos that will um, will be different and they're as much of, as possible. I'm trying to keep that up to date with 
uh, patches and notes on what you can try if you are encountering some of the issues that come up in the Q&A. Obviously, if you're having a different issue that's not come up in the Q&A and that hasn't been tackled, you know, bring it up in the Q&A because I, I'm, I'm, you know, actively looking at that, answering those questions, making sure that everyone can have a smooth experience through the multiplayer course. So if there's anything that's in there that uh, I've, I've missed or has not come to my attention, then, then yes, please, please make me aware of that. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Uh... What is your favorite color? Blue? Is that a trick question? I see you answer blue, no yellow. Ah. <laughs> That's just a Monty Python reference. I thought you'd get that one, Rick. Is it? Blue, no what yellow. What is your favorite color? Ah, okay. Yeah, good. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, cool. Uh, let's <laughs> Robotrans, Nick. Is it better to make a small project like a Desert Bus remake in C++ or Blueprint? Desert Bus looks to be just driving the bus down the road. Oh, the old, the old like Sega million years ago Nintendo-y Desert Bus. Uh, just having Don't a look at. I'm not familiar with Desert Bus, so I'm just trying to look it up to see what it looks looks like. A... <laughs> <laughs> Desperately googling for Desert Bus. Uh, is it better to make a small project? You know what, I, oh, in C++ or Blueprints. So basically, if you're making a small project, Sam, C++ or Blueprints, my answer to that would be use the one of those two that you know or that you would like to learn and get better at. That would be the yeah. approach. Um, I, th I love Blueprints. I mean, you can probably go for Blueprint, to be honest. I, I think, like, that might have a straight-up answer that if it's small, Blueprint does everything you need, and you just want to get that project done quickly go with blueprint because you know it doesn't you don't get any of the benefits of the c++ c++ gives you the benefits of maintainability working together in a bigger team of collab yeah collaboration with other team members and um speed and what else you get uh, access to some more of the apis that you don't get access to in blueprint so if you're not going to need any of that then why complicate your life that's my two cents. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, let us see. What are we looking at next? We've got a um, question. Donut, I think. After Donut. Yes. Thank you, Donut. Often a uh, participant in our AMAs. Thanks for joining us again. Um, after what point should I try making a game by myself? Hmm, interesting question. After what point? I personally think you should try making little games by yourself as soon as you learn your first thing in game development. So the first thing you learn might be to move um, a character around on the screen or just to move a, a block in 2D around on the screen. Uh, make a game out of that. It might not be a game that you're going to uh, you know, complete and publish and sell to the public, but I think you can get there and say, I can move a block around. What's, what's my challenge here? Well, let me put um, just blocks on the ground and my character has to run from A to B in a certain amount of time. And you don't have to implement the timer, you don't have to implement score, you don't have to implement game over, but you can implement that one core mechanic very easily. Because if you've learnt collision and you've learnt movement, you can make a whole bunch of game. You can make a whole bunch of mechanics just with collision and movement. So yeah, just try Try making a little game. 
and take a day or two on it. Don't take longer than that if you're just at the early stages and see how you go, see how you feel about it. The other thing I would say is if you're working through one of our courses and you've uh, completed the end of a section, you've got a game, it's possibly going to match what we've made in that, in that project, take that and modify it and make it your own, make it different to what we've done and tune it, tweak it, change it, add a couple of things, remove a couple of things. And that also is a valid way of making a game by yourself with a bit of a head start. How's that, Sam? Sounds good. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's never too early to start making a game. The, 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 quest, the problem is that people set their bars too high in terms of what a game is. They say, you know, oh, I need to remake Prince of Persia or something, you know? And that's obviously you're going to not be able to run before you can walk. So try and try and make small games. Try and take as Rick's saying, you know, the, the, the little thing that you've learned and get playful with it and make something fun out of that. It kind of does depend, depend on what animation set you're using though, Sam, because a lot of times you do run before you walk. <laughs> <laughs> yes. If you have, if you have a limited, uh, limited asset pack, then maybe it's like, that's what you need to what's do. What's Sam talking about? I'm, my character can run already. I can't make it walk. How do I slow it down? How do I slow it down? <laughs> oh, make a game out of that. Gigapede, am I missing the AMA? Yes, my friend. Unfortunately, you have been missing the AMA. Are you on there now? Can you hear us? Have we got you? We've given, honestly, we've given um, some pretty amazing questions to your answers. I switched to Chrome and it worked. It was uh, Safari. Oh, yeah, or you can didn't... get the dedicated app. He didn't hear us talking That's about how Macs, how things don't work on Macs, I guess. Ah. Yeah, yeah. This is this is the point. <sighs> this is the, this was the crucial bit of the AMA to get. Yeah, so I'm max lagging. Okay. Yes. Hey Sam, Lux Luxier, Luxier, Luxier. Any books, resources, recommendation? You guys recommend the 3D math book from Eric Lengiel before, and I really love that one. Any other books that you read, Sam? Oh, I don't tend to recommend books, so I think. Our book recommendations, we tend to aggregate from books that the community has found useful. So I'm going to throw this one back out to the guys and ladies on the AMA questions channel to say if you, that you've had any any books that you've enjoyed um, along these lines. So, I, yeah, basically, I, I don't read a lot of um, a, a lot of books to teach myself. I tend to do a lot of googling really looking at documentation and just trying stuff out mm. um but yeah the, I'm, not, the challenge, I'm not a very booky person yeah the challenge with with books from a technical standpoint is books take a long time to create write audit publish and if engines move on then they're potentially a little bit out of date by the time you get to it so which is why we like making video content because we can record a video and publish it in the same day for people to get to. So you don't have that lag time that you might have with a book. Um, yeah. But yeah, me too. I personally, that's why I love making video courses because I like learning through videos. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Oh yeah. YouTube. I just use yeah YouTube for a lot of stuff. Yeah. Robotrans, how do you avoid the default look most lower level Unreal games have? You know what I find is that 
Unity has this problem. You can smell a basic Unity project from a mile away, usually because it's got the same ugly default skybox uh, and the same lighting approach. So how do you make it look different? First of all, go and grab some art assets and you know you can find them for free. They might look like other, um, other Unreal games, perhaps because they're using the same assets, but grab the assets. And then the two things that make the biggest difference in my mind are the, the sky or environment and you know put something interesting in the world that way. And then the lighting. A lot of people don't mm -hmm. take the time to just do something a little bit different to the lighting. The people will fire up the um, the third person template, you know, that's got that little room with a couple of boxes to jump on with the same um, white mannequin guy. So change the character, change the lighting, yep. and change the sky, and don't have them in, in any of the default layout. So that whole process can take you, I don't know, an hour to get it looking not like every other um, intro Unreal game. And I think that's really, really critical if you're a student or a job seeker working on your portfolio. You just can't have it look default because then people question where did it come from? You know, did you just grab this from someone else? Did you actually make it yourself? It looks like everything else we see out there. But Unreal have a, a bazillion free assets now that you can put in there to have it have it look really interesting. Yeah. Although the problem is then, then with all these free assets that they're putting out there, they become the new default as well. So it is it is sometimes worth spending a little bit. Um, that that tends to get you out of the the default look is by buying an asset pack because just you know that barrier is is enough for most people. So you'll get something that doesn't look like every other yeah. example demo project. Yep. Hey, uh, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Can I ask a question about um, game development? Sure yes, can. I think you can. So <laughs> I was just wondering, do you guys have any experience working in like for other companies? Because I love game development. I'm doing a degree at the minute. Um, I really wanted to go into game development after this degree, but I'm just totally thrown off by crunch times and just like the whole game dev kind of, um, I don't know how you say it, like, the way the crunch time's working at. The culture. I, just, I don't know, is that, yeah, the culture, is that something which is common or is something that is quite just, uh, you hear about it, but it's not that true? I'm just like, if I could get your opinion on that. Yeah, so your first question, working in other studios, I've, I've worked in probably half a dozen game studios, uh, mostly in North America. And um, yeah, it's common. And the reason it's, there's two reasons it's common, I find. Reason number one is that when you're making a creative product, it's never done, it's never finished, it's never 100%, it's never as good as it could be. So there's quite often mm -hmm. passionate people on the team who say, I can make this better, I want to make it better. So they're believing in it. It's not an evil overlord who has said, thou shall not go home to thy family until you know the backlog is completed. It's more people saying, I'm going to stick around, I'm going to work on the weekend because I want this to be my legacy project. I want this to be spectacular. So you see a lot of that in the industry. And the second point is part of the reason you see a lot of that is because there's a lot of young single folks in the game industry. Well, historically, yeah. that's been the case. And when you're a young single folk and you've got a choice of staying in at work 
until 9 p.m. at night and work feeds you a dinner and you're hanging out with your buddies <laughs> making games, it's like, why would I go home? I'd go home and I'd sit on the couch and watch TV or play games. So there's a lot of people wanting to stay there. That's that's two aspects to throw in as, a, as counterpoints for, you know, the industry's evil. The, the third thing I'll say is that a lot of studios get themselves into trouble because they are... Uh, they make poor decisions or they strive for we have to make it a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. And often, sadly, that's because someone at the top, the game director, the producer, the lead designer, the whoever, has changed their mind a couple of times. So over the course of the, the year and a half that they had to make their game, they weren't efficient with their time. They cruised at the start. They played around too much, they changed the engine, they updated the look of the style. And so if you're looking to get into the industry, you can ask a handful of questions such as, you know, what's the typical age demographic here? Do you, do you have people in the studio with families and kids? If you have families and kids, people are going home on time. They're not gonna tolerate that crap for too long. They're not gonna stick around with working every single weekend when they've got young kids. So. The industry is aging, as in getting older, not, not geriatrics, although there are probably some of those. Um, but the, it's not just, you know, folks in their early 20s. There's tons of people who are, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s with families, and, and they won't tolerate that poor work environment. So ask that question um, and also ask about the, the project that they were on recently, you know, the, the most recent one about their workflow, about how it went, do they hit their deadlines, if they hit their deadlines, they're probably not doing uh, as much overtime. If they don't hit their deadlines, they're trying to scramble to make up for it. So um, all I can say, man, is uh, there's good ones and there's not good ones. If you work for a good one, you'll love it. If you work for a bad one, you'll hate it. So try to find a good one. Yeah, I mean, what you said about, you know, staying up all night with your friends and that makes it sound a lot more, you know, you hear a lot of bad things, but actually it's a different perspective and sounds awesome. So, But thank you for your answers on that. No worries. It's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the the principle of a game jam or a, or a hackathon, yeah. right? Is the, the kind of, I'm going to pull ridiculous hours over a weekend to see what I can achieve. So there is a, an aspect of us liking and enjoying and pulling those sufferings upon ourselves, right? Yeah, you just don't want to, I don't want to give up my whole life for one small, you know, like I love game dev, but I also love other things. So it's not like I want to devote like all of my yeah. life to that. Yeah, I think there's yeah. a there's a way if you're if you're confident in your communication ability and you ask someone what's expected of me and they tell you you're expected to do ABC, it's cool. When I get ABC done, I'm out the door. Like I'm I'm going home. If you position yourself as efficient and fast, you will be a desirable employee. If you're slow and crap and you have to do long hours because you're just slower than everyone else, then that's when you're going to get in in trouble. You can't really just take off. Hey, you guys haven't finished my stuff, but I'm taking off. But I found that when I worked particularly with programmers, programmers who were efficient and on top of things and got their stuff done and didn't chit chat and didn't waste their time and weren't sitting on YouTube and weren't, you know, goofing around, people who just knuckled down and got their work done and then got out the door at a good time, they were the star employees. I wanted more of those. I wanted everyone to be like that, uh, you know, on any of the teams that I was managing. So. You know, if, if you're a good worker, then you can take off on time. You know, just don't goof around at work. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for that cool. question. That's really good. Let us know yeah, when you're, the... when you're, let us know when you're out there working in a game studio.
Yeah. Oh, thank you for all the help you give me because I wouldn't be there without all the courses I've done. So, <laughs> you're welcome. Well, we love to we love to hear that we're making a difference in people's lives. That's great. Hey, Jamie, just before you disappear and I could jump in here, I'm going to post a link to Splash Damage. They're in um, London. They do a lot of um, talks about how did I get a job in the video game industry. There's a whole playlist, so I'll pop that in the AMA channel uh, for you and anyone else. That'd be great. Cheers. No worries. There you go. Super comments from Supermark. Thank you for that, Supermark. Okay, so Sam, my estimation is eight minutes left. Let's see if we can power mm. through uh, top questions in here. Yep. Uh, so I think the next one was from Mupa. Um, it's uh, not Unreal related. Inventory system's out now. Uh, if I buy it on Game TV, can I still view it on Udemy? Unfortunately not. Um, I think if you buy it on Game TV at the moment... Um, because of the way Udemy coupons work, et cetera, we've not really got a way of getting it to you for free on Udemy. So if you do want it on both platforms, then I think at the moment we would say, you know, have to go and get that on Udemy and then you can get it on Game Dev TV as well. Yep. Awesome. Thank you, Sam. Uh, Abel Archer, any updated timeline on the Godot course? Uh, Yan is continuing to remaster that and update it. He's working, chipping away at it, working on it. So there should be more content that's coming out regularly. Um, if not, then give Yan a hoy. Hello, Yan. What's going on? When are we getting more stuff? And then C sharp version of the of the course or of content in the course that's still on our radar. And you know, I haven't been as active in the Godot conversations. Ben and Yan have been spearheading that. So. You know, my apologies for more of a summary question, but it's it's not lost off the list of things that we need to do. We definitely um, have that as as something that's important to make sure we get completed. It's just a matter of having the right person do it at the right time in the right way. And our philosophy, I know this is, sounds like a bit of a cop out, but you know we've been asked this question a lot over the years. When's the such and such getting done? Or why are you guys taking so long? It really is because we're trying to do it well as opposed to just trying to get it done. And I know Sam and I have given that answer a lot for the RPG. We don't want to just poop mm -hmm. it out there and have it, you know, whatever near enough is good enough. When we do it, we, we don't want to waste people's time. So there's many, many different reasons and factors and, and challenges that go into why things aren't done quicker. But ultimately, it's because we're trying to do it properly. So yeah. that doesn't really yeah, give just you... just to come in on that on the RPG, um, I had the first look at it and to be quite honest, I was very harsh with my feedback and the guys had to go back to basically drawing board, I think, re-look at everything, restructure the entire way the course was being presented to you and then have it reviewed again so that it got to you in the perfect condition that you're used to from the company. So there's a whole process that leads to sometimes why we take so long. Mm -hmm. It also also yeah, took absolutely. me at least at least a month to go get over Mark's comments of Rick. This sucks so terribly. You should like <laughs> honestly just quit now. So that took oh, about yeah, a month of, for me lots to recover. Of calls consoling him and uh, and generally <laughs> giving him some counselling. Sam, um, what did Mark mean when he said I'm awful? <laughs> <laughs> Mark's like, no, I didn't say that, Rick. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, thanks for that question. What other, and thanks Mark for jumping in. And no what else we got here? 
question, question. Why is everything so hard with Discord? Ah, because it's free. Pirakikatatum. Good night, everyone. Good night. Oh, good night. I know that you guys are very busy with the RPG. I was wondering how much more is there to be done? RPG, any similar tutorials? City building, RTS. Okay, for other stuff. I do think we could learn so much from that. Banished. I love Banished. It's so hard, isn't it? It's one of those things like, why has my population gone from 100 to 12 uh, for Unity? Yeah, same same sort of answer as we did before, which is we, we have so many things we want to create. I know our community is constantly saying, please make this, please do that. When are you going to get this done? Uh, it's a case of us doing it properly. It's also a case of us having a couple of extra people who can help us make content. So, um, you know, if you're out there and you're interested, then let us know. Unity or Unreal? Neither. They're both awful. Next question. (laughs) 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 Either of them's just fine. Either of them's lovely. Spitfire. Uh, Let's see. uh, Are there any more questions here, Sam? Can you see a question? Did I miss my question? Yes, you did. Uh, G-Wolf, Gary, g'day. Gaza, how you doing? How's the Math for Games coming along? Have you guys been looking at the Math for Games stuff? Gary is creating lectures for that. I've been watching it. I now actually know what a calculus is. It's the thing that you carry around in your pocket to add up numbers. Did I get that right, Gary? (laughs) (laughs) Rick's been watching carefully. I have. I have. I had it on two times speed, and I was also... I was watching some Judge Judy at the same time, so maybe I missed some things. (laughs) Pro tips on studying, (laughs) folks. This is how you sit still. Yes. Uh, Fourth, Joel, do I have to worry about the compatibility with blueprints and making a multiplayer game, Sam? Uh, Where's, where? I can't see this question. Who's who's asked it? Fourth, Jolt. Do I have to worry about the compatibility with blueprints and making a multiplayer game? So I assume that means can you make a multiplayer game with blueprint? Um... You can do uh, you can do some of it in Blueprint, but you will need some C++. So not 100%, I think, is the answer to that one. Okay. Depends how far you want to go. So you can get some, some stuff off the ground in Blueprints, but at some point, if you, say, want to connect to Steam and so on and so forth, you'll need to go into C++. So, yeah. Similar question from Gigapede. Hopefully Gigapede can hear this answer. That would be exciting. Does yeah. exposing... If not, this is recorded and it will come out in a podcast or something so you can listen to your answers afterwards so gigapede if you can't hear us at the moment then go listen to us later on wait (laughs) (laughs) if you can't hear us speak louder does exposing c plus plus functions to blueprint make it lose whatever benefit of being c plus plus um well it depends which benefit um it it does have i think hmm with exposing the functions, I don't think that's really losing any of the benefit. I don't think it has a too much of a runtime overhead. Um, there are some things that do have a bit of a runtime overhead. So, for example, um, some types of blueprint event, the dynamic events uh, have a bit of runtime overhead. So you lose some performance, but a lot of the benefits of using C++ are not really about performance. Um, that's how late it is. Performance. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because you can do things like nativization in Blueprints to get more performance out of Blueprints themselves and so on. Um, so 
performance is a problem and a question in C++, but you know, if you're only calling one function, it's about the number of function calls you're doing between Blueprint and C++. If you just do one function call per frame and then that function does a lot of heavy work in C++, it's not going to negate any of the benefits of C++. Yep. Uh, I just saw a comment scrolling down. Rick's volume is half that of Sam. Sorry about that. Sorry to hear right at the very, very end of our conversation <laughs> that the volumes haven't quite been right. Um, lots of awesome questions. I'm looking for one last question that we can answer or I can answer. Maybe you can choose your one last question, Sam. I'll choose my one last. Um, I found one which seems more of a design development question from Luxier. Luxier. What makes a game age well. I remember listening to a guy on a stream talking about how some games like Final Fantasy, what's that, V117 and Half-Life age pretty well, but some games like Crisis Core, while being fun, didn't age well. Well, that actually, I shouldn't have chosen that one. That's a massive question with massive answers. Uh, I think a game that is well-made and has a consistent experience is going to age well. A game that relies upon its graphics isn't going to age well. So it was like, this game is great because it looks good, not going to age so well. Half-Life was amazing because it was one of the first games that uh, showed you instead of told you about the story. So you can, you can still walk and look at the event that's going on in the world, the thing falling down or exploding or the enemy running off in the distance. You can look at that while still controlling your character. So I think they implemented it very well. It gave you a great experience. The... Everything was consistent. The story drove the gameplay. Um, the gameplay drove the story. So that's why it age, ages very well. Uh, that's not the greatest answer, but that's just a quickie answer to that. Yep. Um, and then I was going to take the one from uh, Stim Dealer again. Um, the Unreal Engine have any built-in features, um, C++ or Blueprint, for working with databases such as SQL or MongoDB. And I presume, um, I, I haven't seen such features, but I would say that typically the cases where you want to interface with a database isn't so much when you are on a single computer, but when you're trying to create some sort of networked game. And in that case, what I recommend you do is a slightly different architecture where you'll typically have the Unreal servers are kind of spawned up on you know, whatever it is, your Amazon Cloud or whatever, that connect into your Unreal clients and do the whole gameplay aspect. And then when you need to go and get data, such as you know your character stats, and that, that sort of stuff doesn't happen very real time. So your server will then want to go, or the server or the client actually, will want to go and communicate with a, a back-end server which you typically write in completely different technology. So you wouldn't be using C++, you wouldn't be using Unreal Engine, you'd just be using something like Python or C Sharp or .NET, you know, whatever those kind of web technologies, basically, and using their, their backends, SQL and MongoDB. And you'd communicate between Unreal Engine and that backend using something called a RESTful API. And there are um, some integrations with Unreal that allow you to quite easily use web and REST and HTTP APIs to web services. So that's typically how I see uh, SQL databases used for that sort of thing. Awesome. Cool. What do you reckon, Sam? Good time for us to wrap it up? I think so. I was just going to... Oh, yeah, it's called var REST. That's the one that I've seen before. So I'm just going to pop that in the, um, in the discussions so you can see that. Awesome. 
Lovely. I think it's a good place to wrap it, Rick. Excellent. Yeah, thanks for joining us today, everyone. We appreciate your questions and appreciate you all being lovely members of the community and making this community what it is, which I think is a pretty lovely, friendly place. Sam, thank you for your amazing answers. And thank you for your amazing dad jokes. <laughs> you're a dad now. You're allowed to make them. Do we need to have a dad, dad joke true. training session? Yeah, I need an induction. That could I'm be not, our next I'm not course. Up on my dad jokes yet? Yeah. Would anyone back a uh, a dad joke training course Kickstarter? <laughs> <laughs> I know I would for sure. Yeah, I got them. I got a lot of the dad jokes. Basically, you whole, just the whole kick. Well, the whole uh, Kickstarter act... itself is a dad joke. <laughs> you know what? It's actually it would just be five. Not even that. It'd be about one minute lecture. It'd be right. You want to know how to make dad jokes? Just do really bad puns. That's it. Job done. <laughs> <laughs> Make them very punny and people will laugh. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, That's everyone. True. Thanks for joining us. We're, we're trying to be regular with our AMAs, so expect another one within the next couple of weeks. And yep. um, we'll see you all again real soon. Well, that's it. Thanks for listening. You can find all GameDev.TV courses at courses.gamedev.tv slash courses or in the show notes with a 10% discount. Get started with your game development journey today. <laughs>